First Timothy chapter 6, New International Version. And we'll go to verse 17 through 18. Then we'll look at John 10, 10. We do have notes for you. And greetings to all of our online folks, YouTube, Facebook. God bless you. We're glad you're with us. First Timothy 6, verse 17. Are you ready? Yes. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. I got to stop and say that if you have $17.50 in your possession or in your bank account, then you are of the top 20% of the world's wealthiest people. $17. Okay, so I guess he's talking to us. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Let's read that last part. So that they may take hold of life that is truly life. Go to John 10 and verse 10. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen. John 10 and 10. Powerful verse of Scripture. Oh, no, that's not it. <laughs> John 10, verse 10. If you're all there, say amen. amen. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and life to the, to the full or more abundantly. Why has he come? That we might have life and life to the full. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you've done, what you're doing what you're going to do. Lord, release your word. Move in power. May we never be the same. Bring a yoke-destroying, burden-breaking unction and anointing upon me right now to preach your word. You reach your hand towards me. I always need help. I need extra help today. Lord, give me the extra in the name of Jesus. Now lay hands on your own heart. Lord, give us all ears to hear and hearts to respond what you would say to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Very special day today at sundown. It starts the Jewish New Year. Uh, by the way, if you don't have notes, uh, we have notes for you. If you did not receive those and you'd like a copy, just lift your hand. One of our ushers will bring that to you right up front. Thank you so much. Wonderful. All right. Jewish New Year starts at sundown. Rosh Hashanah. So happy New Year. Praise the Lord. I'll take any opportunity to start afresh and anew. And I know this, that His mercies are new every morning. And it's morning somewhere, even though it's five afternoon, five after uh, the noon o'clock hour here in Alaska. Uh, also, uh, just thrilled about what God is doing as we are rebranding ourselves. We've got a new logo that will be coming out. We're changing some things, simplifying things such as our mission statement, and I'm going ahead and put that in your notes for you. Our new mission statement is this. Experience life together with people, power, and purpose. Would you say that with me all together? Experience life together with people, power, and purpose. It is really uh, what we're all about. 
experiencing life, but not just life. How many of you know that, that uh, people who are alive aren't living the life that we're talking about here in John 10? In fact, many believers don't live, they live far beneath the God-given, blood-bought right that we have to live what's called the, the Zoe life, the God life in and through us. And so even though they may have received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and if you've not done that, I'd implore you and plead with you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God this morning, this afternoon. By the end of the service, we'll give you an opportunity to do that. But even those who have received Jesus don't really understand what real life in God means. So as a result, they tolerate that which Jesus died and rose again from the grave to deliver them from. Don't ever tolerate that which Jesus was crucified and rose again from the grave for. Don't tolerate sickness. Don't tolerate infirmity. Don't tolerate bondage. Don't tolerate depression. Oh, I understand that these things come even as fiery darts or attacks and sometimes because of our own foolishness. But God is able to set you free. God is able to deliver you. God is able to heal you. He's not only able to, He wants to. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil is the one that brings sickness. The devil is the one that brings addiction. The devil is the one that brings destruction to marriages, to children. But God have come that we might have life and life to the full, the abundant life. And it is God's intention for you to live that way. God wants you to experience life together with people, power, and purpose. And so we start a new series this morning called Experience Life. Write in your notes, the Bible affirms that God is the giver of life. Who's the giver of life? God. God is the author of it. He made all things, and all things are held together by His powerful Word. And if you go to the book of Genesis, you'll see how life was started. And I, and, and I want you to look there, if you would, with me. The book of Genesis, we see that God made man and woman. He created the world. The highest point of His creation was man and woman. But that, that creation was distorted, and I, I missed that blank just above there. Something happened in our world where there was a distortion. The devil has lied to people to think that, well, if you have a lot of money, you have life, or if you have a lot of this, you have life. If you have fame, you have fortune, you have life. No, if you don't have Jesus, you're basically dead. Now, if we look at Genesis, you'll see A description of what was happening in the world, Genesis 1 and 2, we read of God creating the world and the highest point of his creation was man and woman. In Genesis 1 and 31, God saw it all that he made and it was very good. God, everything that God made is good. And mankind was made in the image of God and was blessed by God and given authority, or we could use the word dominion, over all of creation. But that authority, that dominion, that freedom, that free will, was forfeited and given over to Satan. You see, God created man, created woman, created mankind. When we say mankind, we mean all of mankind, so that we would love him and serve him. And we'll write there in point three. Mankind was given the ability to love, which meant they were given a choice. See, love is not in a vacuum. You choose to love. Not a, love is not a feeling. Love is really, a, it's, a, it's a commitment. I'm sure Jesus didn't feel like dying on a cross. Somebody said, I fell out of love. No, you didn't, you ugly thing. Because there's no such thing as falling into love. Love is a choice that you make. And when you don't have the feelings of that love, warm, warm cozy feelings of love, you still act loving. The feelings will return. 
And it's apparent revelation for some folks. Yeah, love. You, cho you, choose, you choose love. And as I said, mankind was made in the image of God, authority over the world. The ability to love, that meant they were given choice of free will. However, they chose to disobey God and rebel against him and believe Satan's lies. And as a result of their disobedience, a curse came on, the, on mankind and came on the whole world. And in fact, the word, if you read that and study it, it says, if you do this, then in dying you will surely die. You know, there's a lot of movies out there about zombies. Uh, and there was one particular movie where this zombie apocalypse starts, and it's because of a virus. And they're able to get the, the answer to the virus to bring healing to the world through this person who had a, a, was immune to it. And we're able to get that person's blood and make an antivirus and save everybody. Do you know that there is a redemptive aspect of that horrible movie? And the redemptive aspect is it's the blood of Jesus that redeems you from the curse and from death. And that all of us are of sorts, without Christ, zombies. Satan is the prince and the power of the air, it says in 1 John 5, 19, but also in John 12, John 14, John 16. John, in Ephesians, pardon me, Ephesians 2, it says, you were dead in your sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, whose spirit is now at work in those who are disobedient. Wow. In, in Galatians 3 and 22, it says that, the, we're pri that we're prisoners of sin. Wow. So without Christ, all of us don't really have life. Oh, you might be breathing. You might have a pulse, but that's not life. Having a pulse is not life. We saw so many broken people when we were in Hawaii, and it doesn't take long to see broken people in Alaska. You can have a pulse. You can be breathing air and not have what we're talking about. I'm talking about the life of God flowing through you, being walking in fulfillment, walking in satisfaction, even though you might be going through difficulty. Our dear sister uh, Rosie and Minister Gill, they lead our work in Eagle River. She's been through a, a very challenging operation. And the operation, without getting too graphic, basically they removed her, cut open her skull, removing all of her teeth on the top part and extending it out. Then they took two sections out of either side of her jaw, extending her jaw out. And she basically had facial reconstruction because she had a problem with her jaw and her teeth and they fixed it. We went to go visit her and they don't want any visitors. We got authorization. She's so hurting. And she's on meds and everything. And really, I mean, like suffering. They say facial pain is one of the worst things. So she's got a six weeks of recovery. And she can't eat. I mean, I mean she has a, a hypodermic needle that they squirt a little bit of liquid down her throat so she can eat something. I mean, horrible, but they had to do it. And we go and we visit. And we prayed for her. We laid hands on her. I'm talking about life in the midst of suffering. Because, because... God's given us life. Even though you may go through suffering, there's a way in which you can live in God where the life of God and real life, even in the midst of suffering, you can have. Oh, you're going to go through trials. Welcome to the human race. And as we ministered, I'm not sure who God ministered to more. Honestly, me and my wife or, or her, we laid hands on her. We were weeping. We're crying. Or, you know, she's swollen. She's got to have 24-hour ice. And, you know, they, 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 she's on painkillers where they're trying to just reduce that because that's dangerous. How many of you know? 
You know, you can take a whole bunch of painkillers and be, get, get addicted, and that's not going to happen for her. But, but, I mean, we're just praying for her. And she tells us, through her husband, basically, because she can't really talk. I guess they have some secret code. <laughs> that she's having visions from the Lord. And God's showing her. He brought her into this vision, and she saw this door that was on fire. And, and she walked through the, the fire of the Holy Spirit, and Jesus was with her, and he led her into, into the, the, the church in Korea. And she had, went into this prayer meeting, and it's about the fire of the power of God being poured out all over the earth. So in the midst of the suffering, she's experiencing life, life abundant in God. Come on, you, you're, by, you're a body with a, you're a spirit with a body, not a body with a spirit. Some of you think that if you're comfortable, then that's life. No, no, then if, you're, if you got everything you need, and you got somebody feeding you grapes, and everything's wonderful. No. There's people that are being fed grapes and have all the, 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 all the, the wonderful prestige and everything, and they're miserable. They've got no life in God. And yet those who are even persecuted, who have life, real life. So we're, the life that they're talking about here in Scripture that Adam and Eve threw away is available for you and me. That's the good news. Come on, someone say there's good news. There's good news that you really can have life. Even in the midst of difficulty, difficulty, even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of pain, even in the midst of loss, even in the midst of grief, even in the midst where you don't know where your next mortgage payment's going to come from, you don't know how you're going to get your kids saved that's out on drugs somewhere on meth, you don't know how your uncle's going to come off of opioids, you don't know how you're going to make it, I'm here to tell you there's good news that God is able to do it, and He's able to release to you life, and life more abundantly life to the full. Why? Because the deliverer has come. And his name is Jesus. John 10 and 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Hebrews 9 and 26. Otherwise Christ would have to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by, by the sacrifice of himself. You can be washed. You can be cleansed from that which separates you from God because of Jesus. In Hebrews 2 and 14, since children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives have been held in slavery by the fear of death. Listen, if you don't have Jesus, you're a slave. You're held in slavery, spiritually speaking. In 1 John 5 and 11, whoever has, uh, pardon me, verse 12, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Are you saying that those who don't have Jesus don't have life, no matter how lively it looks? Yes. No matter how good it looks? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. How could you say that? The Word of God says it. And I have experienced in my own testimony, having tremendous wealth and blessing, what I thought was blessing, but didn't have God. I've seen all points of, the, of, of life. I've seen so much, and many of you have too. I'm telling you, without Jesus, you're busted and broke no matter how much you have in the bank. Without Jesus, you don't really have life. Without Jesus, you have nothing. Oh, it might seem like something according to the world, but that's not the life that he called you to. That's not life and life abundant. 
My, my, my. 1 John 5, 4, everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, we just did a series on overcoming. You can't overcome without Jesus, not in an overcoming biblical way. Faith in Jesus imparts to us life. Are you born again today? Have you received Jesus? Are you walking with him? When you walk with Jesus, when you live for God, there's an impartation of real life, biblical God life that comes into you and will flow through you. That is the life that God wants you to experience. Not just watch TV, go to bed, get up, go to work, collect your paycheck, and then pay your bills and watch TV, go to bed, get up. A life of that is not life. Let's look at this text, this main text here, 1 Timothy 6, 17. Now, life is defined two ways here. He's defining the present life, in other words, now, the life that you're living now, the present life, and the one that's to come. That's the afterlife or eternity. And so he's giving two definitions of life, the life that's present and the life that's to come. And as believers, we need to be careful. He warns us of two traps, two problems that can derail us from the life of God. Two things that will mess you up and rob from you the life of God in your life. And the first one is pride. Pride. Arrogance. Pride. Self-worship. And we've done this before. We've all taken selfies here in the church. And the first thing you look at when you look at a selfie is you. You look at, and it's a good picture if you look good. Right? We, uh, we took some pictures uh, with staff when we were all together there in, in Maui. And... Um, for the Christmas card and different things that we sent out. And, uh, you know, when as soon as you see a picture, you know, you look at it. And the first person you look at is good. If you look good, then it's a good picture. So I looked at a picture. It was taken of my, my wife and I and my son. And I looked. I'm like, man, that's a, that's a good picture. She's like, what? My eyes are closed. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but that's all of us. That's all of us. We're all, we have a tendency to think about us, me, my, me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity. We have a tendency to be so self-consumed with, you know, what are you going to get out of it? Where am I staying? Oh, oh, I, well, I'm not, you know, I mean, we're constantly thinking about us. Pride can, pride can, pride can get you, you know, zombies don't think about anything but their own stuff. The next person they can eat, you know what I mean? It's crazy. Pride, arrogance. It says to warn them, don't be arrogant, don't be prideful. And the second thing is putting one's hope in wealth, which is so uncertain and fleeting. And I shared in the first service, but I'll share now. A, um, uh, I heard this testimony of a man who grew up in England, very wealthy. Uh, they called them blue bloods. You know why they called them blue bloods? Because they had so much silver that it actually got in their bloods. They ate their blood. All their silver, you know, silverware is called silverware because it used to be made out of silver. Some of you have family silver, you know what I'm talking about? So a blue blood was blue because of all the silver they were touching and it was constantly in their mouth. And literally, blue blood, a wealthy person that ate off of silver all the time, they would get a bluish look in their skin. That's why that came, blue blood. 
You ever seen somebody that has colloidal silver all the time? They're blue. Okay, you can Google that later. It's true. Okay. So this was somebody very wealthy, and his father was a financier. And back in those days, uh, you know, the father did everything. And, and the mom just, you know, took care of the kids and so on and so forth. Well, the father died. The wife didn't know how to take care of the money, and not only didn't know how to take care of it, there was no will. Not only was there no will, she didn't even know where the bank was, didn't even know where the investments were, and his affairs were not in order, and they ended up losing everything and going from extre you know, extreme wealth to extreme poverty, basically overnight. Listen, none of us know what's going to happen in the economy. I mean, you know, praise God, it's booming right now. Hallelujah, we get our PFD, at least part of it. Make sure you vote. Jesus, help us. Where's my wife? Jesus, pray for me. I don't get political right now. Anyway, praise God for the PFD. Hallelujah. Amen. Right, right? But I'm going to tell you, everything can change. Now, economists say there's coming a crash. Well, it's not right now. This is like prosperity. Things are booming. Really, they're booming. I mean, America is amazing. If you just work hard and, and challenge yourself and put your hand to the plow and quit being lazy, you can prosper. Anyone can. I've met, I've met some people just recently. I mean, they're not even in the nation all that long. Extremely wealthy. I just worked their brains out and God blessed them and helped them. But I'm going to tell you, you so you're a first, you know, your first generation in the U.S., you can make it. Amen. Listen, no matter who you are, you can make it. I was prophesying over this family, and this, was, this might be for somebody, so that's why I'm sharing it. And uh, there was a 19-year-old that was there, and he was very depressed, part of the family. I mean, just really downcast. And uh, so I asked him what he did. He said nothing. And uh, I said, okay, well, what does that mean? He said, I don't do anything. I said, do you have a job? No. I said, okay. I mean, I'm about to give him a prophetic word. I just wanted to ask him, you know, what's your name? What do you do? And he said, oh, I, don't, I don't do anything. I said, well, what do you do all day? He says, I'm home. And I looked at his parents, and his parents were like, I said, so you're home. You're 19, and you're, you're home. Do you, do you work at all? No. Do you help around the house? I was like, okay, I got a word for you. Get a job. The Lord says, get a job. And it's just like, somehow he just sort of shut down right there. Right? But we pressed on, and I believe that God touched him, and maybe that, that is a word from the Lord. That's, a, that's biblical. You don't have a job, and you don't eat. Look, there are instances where people have been injured, or you've got, you know, challenges that that require you to get assistance or help. And I understand that. But, but, but believe God to get healing and believe God to move out of that. You know, thank God for, you know, thank God for welfare. I won't ask you to raise your hand. Listen, I, I was on food stamps long, long ago. I ain't on them right now. I have no intention of going backwards. But I'm going to tell you something. When I got my food stamps, buddy, I was thanking God for America, but I didn't stay on them. You know, hard times come, and thank God. Listen, Israel had a, had a system of welfare, the gleaning system. But if you didn't get your carcass off of your, off of your, you know, your, your mat, 
and get in the field, then you're not going to eat anything. They would leave some behind for those who were in need. Now, I've digressed a little bit. But the word over this young man was, look, you, you need, you, there's no, that's not life. Life is, is to be enjoyed and God's got blessing for you. Come on, someone say amen. amen. But if you put your hope in wealth, it can change and things can shift. So don't value, don't, don't examine your life based upon your assets or what your house is worth or whether you don't have a house. So for, for, for a while, when I was a younger man, I was down on myself because I just didn't have two sticks to rub together. Am I the only one? You know, because I was valuing myself based upon what I made every week. And that's, that, that's a terrible way to evaluate your life. You know how you evaluate your life? You evaluate your life on whether you're doing the will of God. And there's people, there's missionaries that go without, that sacrifice everything they have. They're doing the will of God and they're reaching nations. And the rewards that they get might, might be greater than any of us who, who you, you understand what I'm saying? Come on, don't, don't, don't. Put your hope in wealth. These are the two things, pride and wealth. You got to put your hope in what? Put your hope in God. Everybody say, put your hope in God. God's got to be your focus. And that's what these, these verses are talking about. And he's good and he wants you to enjoy life. Now, as I was, was preaching this this morning, I, I actually had people that were like, what? He wants me to what? Yeah, enjoy life. Verse 18, it says he gives us everything for our enjoyment. Listen, that is a revelation to some people. Some folks don't realize that God wants you happy. God wants you blessed. One of the markers of a spirit-filled life is a life that's filled with the joy of the Lord, joy of the Holy Ghost. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Listen, if you're not happy, if you're not enjoying your walk with God, something is wrong. Like what? I'm not sure. Talk to Minister Lori. She'll counsel you and help you out. But you need some help. Her number is 907 all right. <laughs> Come on, say, God wants me to enjoy my life. Some people view God as like a loving slave owner. And then he puts depression on you to teach you something. Now, that, that's not even a biblical idea. God has come that you might have life and life to the full. That's not life tormented. That's not life depressed. That's not life with anxiety. That's not life tormented and, and filled with addiction. Life to the full, Zoe life, is the life of God. Now, let me tell you, let me ask you this question. How do you think God's life is right now? How do, where is Jesus right now? He's so, okay, he's in my heart. Okay, he's everywhere. He's omnipresent. Okay, great. And, he, and he's seated, that's true. And he's seated at the right hand, right? Ever living to make intercession for you and me, right? Amen. Do you think he's suffering? Well, I think he's moved. He has, God has emotions. Do you know that? It's a whole great study to do about the emotions of God, how he's moved and by different things, grieved by different things, the emotions of God. But he, the God, God life, God is not sick right now. God is not addicted right now. God, God, we, God doesn't need us praying for him that he would get off his, his, his bed of infirmity. The life of God will flow through you and give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. The kingdom of God is not about food or drink, but joy in the Holy Ghost. We're supposed to have a life of joy, enjoyment, verse 18. And that's what, one of the aspects of real life. In Psalm 16, the final verse, it says, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy in his presence. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You've been around here for any length of time. You've heard me say this. The epicenter of pleasure. First of all, pleasure is created by God. Right. 
It was twisted and distorted by the devil. Pleasure is God's creation. God is the one who's authored that. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Yeah, but it can't become an idol, and you're not, you don't be led around by looking after pleasure. You're led by God, and he allows you to experience joy, and he allows you to experience life abundant or pleasure in the midst of it. And, you know, when you're filled with joy and you have a life of pleasure in God, do you know you have a way, as, as, a, as a result of that, or a byproduct, I should say, comes a life of doing good, which is the next point. Has anybody here gotten in the flesh over the last week? Four honest, five honest people, six, seven. Oh, all of you were just spirit-filled. Yeah. You know, when you got all irritated. We had one particular service. It was our final service uh, with Dr. Morocco. It was a Wednesday night, just last Wednesday night. And a powerful preacher, a man, uh, uh, D, Dr. D.K. Pickett, I think. And uh, he, is, he came from one of the poorest places of Mississippi. And God raised him up. He's got a church of 10,000 people in Jackson, Mississippi. And uh, what a powerful message he preached on uh, having having fresh eyes, about seeing things fresh and seeing things new, about vision. Powerful service. At the end of that service, Dr. Morocco is about to close and, uh, and, and give an opportunity for people to give their hearts to Jesus like I'm about to do here in just a few minutes. And I felt the power of God coming on me in an increasing way. And as I was on the front row, I thought, oh, you know what? My pastor didn't pray for me, and I think you want to do something in me, God. I think you want to touch me in a, in a big way. So I, I, semi out of order, I came to the front, and I look over a doctor. I'm like, and he kind of looked, but he didn't see me. So he's about, he steps down. I know him. He's moving into preaching the gospel, getting some people saved. So I hustled over, got straight in front of him. And I just, I mean, power God on me. I looked at him. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, I need some prayer. He laid hands on me, and the power of God touched me and filled me. I'm telling you, I got so messed up, stuck on the carpet. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So I've never experienced that. Listen, you stuck your, stick your finger in 223 phase, you'll get electrocuted. Sometimes when God touches you, you might end up on your back. It's not a prerequisite, but I'm just telling you. God touched me, touched my wife. By the time I got up, there was people lying everywhere, pastors everywhere, people all touched everywhere. When I got up, I just wanted to hug everybody. Does anybody Anybody know what I'm like? Oh, I love you. Praise God. God's so good. The Lord's so good. Oh, he's so good, Rob. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Uh, does anybody know what I'm talking about? When God's life touches you, when his power touches you, you just, you just want to do good. There's just generosity that begins to flow. Come on, when the life of God, the goodness of God, this life abundant flows on the inside of you, you'll do good, which is that next verse. You'll, you'll, you'll do good. He calls us to do good. Let them do good. Verse 18. Wow. So doing good really comes out of a life of joy. You ever been miserable and angry? You don't want to do good. You want to hurt someone. Right? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? When you're filled with joy and filled with the Spirit, you just want to give and bless and let people go. You drive slow. I drive slower. No, when I'm really endued with the Holy Spirit, I'm like, my wife knows because she's like, you're driving too slow. That's the only time I'm driving too slow. She's like, uh, you're driving too slow. I'm like, hallelujah. <laughs> These are not drunk as you would suppose. Why would they say that? In Acts 2, why would they accuse them of being drunk? 
because it looked like it. They were so overcome with God's power, God's life, that they, they might have slurred a little bit or driven a little slow. You understand that there's a life that comes from God with the power of the Holy Spirit. And that when you're filled with the Spirit, it'll change you and you'll start doing good. Some of you don't have any idea what I'm talking about. I'm going to go encourage myself. Preach, Pastor Daniel. Yeah! Ah! <laughs> yeah! I just, everybody take a praise break. Just lift your hands and just praise Him. Hey! Ah, fill us with joy in your presence. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. All right, I'm, let, me bring it, let me bring us to an application here. Number four, before we get to the, applying this message to our lives, we're all here to make a difference for eternity. If you weren't supposed to be here to make a difference for eternity, you would be dead. So God's speaking to us very simply. We've got good news, and the good news is that Jesus Christ died on a cross and rose again so that you could have life, not be a zombie. You could have life. Real life. You say, Pastor, I, I don't think I have that. That might be true. That is our mission statement here. Experience life. Real life. Together with people, power, and purpose. That's what God has called us to do. That is what we're all about, spreading life and killing the virus called sin. With the blood of Jesus and the declaration of His, His one and only begotten Son that whosoever believes on Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Life to the full, not only here, but in the age to come. We've got good news, and it's to be lived out and to share with others. I was so encouraged this morning by, um, by Jim and Susan Hart, who gave me the report. I want to say it's 700 and, 747, I, I might be off by a few, 747 individual people led to Jesus since Father's Day, since June 12th or whatever it is, outside the church, one-on-one. -on -one with teams that go out into the highways and byways and share the good news of Jesus with people. 747 individual salvations. That's amazing. I said, that's amazing. That's not even counting inside the church. Wow. You know, when you bring people, we're going to preach the gospel to them. I believe that you'll bring people so we can share the good news of Jesus so that they'll give their hearts to, to the Lord so they can walk in the freedom and the joy that you and I are experiencing life and life to the full. I want you, if you will, please, uh, as I bring this to a close, uh, take one of these guides. Did you all get these? Can we pass these out? Ushers, would you help me, please? This KC guide. Because when I first gave my life to the Lord, I didn't really know anything about getting discipled. I, didn't, I thought, well, I knew the Lord touched me, and I felt a burden lift. But, I, but I, I didn't know about how to stay clean and how to stay free. I didn't know about the power of the Holy Spirit. I didn't know how to handle my money. I didn't know how to handle my finances. I certainly didn't know how to pray or have a fervent prayer life or intercession or spiritual warfare. I didn't know about, I didn't know about any of that stuff. I didn't know about decreeing. I didn't know about the gifts of the Spirit. I mean, how could you when you first give your heart to Jesus? Well, how, how could you know all of those things? Well, there's no way you could unless God just sovereignly did something supernatural. But, but even then, Listen, disciples are those who follow Jesus. And it's a lifetime of discipleship. In other words, you're never done. 
I've been, I've been serving the Lord for 23 years, 24 years. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm a little baby in the Lord still. I feel like I might be growing up a little bit. Some of you have been walking with the Lord a lot longer than that. And listen, we're all, get every one of these. Every, everybody take one at least and look at it for now. If you don't want to bring it home, you don't have to. But I want you to look at this. It's a, it's a part of our, the message here about experiencing life. How did I learn about spiritual warfare? How did I learn about intercession? How did I learn about the gifts of the Spirit and how to handle my money? How about how about, how about how to raise your kids? I certainly didn't have a clue about that. I'm so thankful my children are serving the Lord. Hey, Daniel, thanks. Awesome. He could have rebelled. He didn't. You know, I've done everything I could do, and some of you understand that, and your kids turn, but, you know, you don't quit. You keep praying. Raise a child up in the way he should go when he's older and not depart from it. I'm just so thankful. Daniel, keep serving God. Amen? Give me an amen from the back, son. All right. I'm still bigger than you for now. But it's not fear of dad why he serves the Lord. He serves the Lord because he really loves him. How, how did that happen? It's the grace of God, of lots of prayer, and, and applying these biblical principles that I learned in groups like this. This thing is filled with groups. Why would we do that? I heard some moron say, moron is a special sort of stupid. They happen to be in the pulpit. And I rebuked him for it because it's, it's, it's foolish. They said, you don't need programs in revival. You don't need any programs. That's nonsense. You need discipleship, okay? So programs that have no fire, no power, no life on it, I agree. You don't need those. But everybody needs discipleship. These groups in here, you can open this up and it's got life groups on the inside. Look at all these powerful groups. I'm starting a master's businessmen's meeting. That's for businessmen. My wife's starting a women's, a business chicks meeting. I don't see it on here just yet. But anyway, <laughs> driven by eternity, breaking free, radiant moms. Wow, precepts, being a disciple, precepts. Here's a marriage couples ministry called Knotted for Life. Wow, book of Ephesians. There's another one. Growing in the prophetic. Want to learn how to hear the voice of the Lord and, and deliver that to somebody? We'll teach you. Just come to that group. And there's, on the other side, there's these, these teams, all of our different creative teams and generational teams, kids' ministry, children's ministry. It's called a King's Kids Ministry or King's Kids, King's Kids Children. Okay. There's King's Youth. There are opportunities for you to get involved. We, why did you do that? Because I'm telling you, there's a place in God where you, where you can experience life that only comes through discipleship. And many of you are not connected to the house in that way. You've got to develop relationships. It's crucial to your growth and really experience in life and, and life to the full life more abundantly. So you take that home, all right? And you go ahead and call those numbers and be a part of those different things as the Lord leads you. We have real life, so enjoy your life in God. This is real life that God has for you, so enjoy it. And then lastly, our living, the God kind of life can make a difference for time right now and for eternity, which is that final verse. Come on, someone say hallelujah. Did you get something from the Lord? With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're not right with God today, I want to give you an opportunity to give your heart to Him. You say, that's me, Pastor. I, if I die, I'm not sure if I'm going to heaven. Well, if you're not sure to go to heaven, won't you give your heart to Jesus? You can, you can be sure. 
You can receive this life because of what Jesus has done. He died on a cross and he rose again from the grave so that you can be forgiven, so that you can be washed, so that you can be cleansed. He who has a son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. Some of you don't have life because you've not surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ and made him your Savior and made him your Lord. All across this place, those online, you say, that's me. I want to give my heart to Jesus for the first time. Or maybe you need to recommit because you know you drifted. All across this place, every head bowed, people praying. You say, that's me, Pastor Daniel. Lift your hand right now if that's you. All across this place, lift your hand and want to get right with God. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Over there in the back, thank you for your honesty. God bless you. Over on this side, lift your hand high. You want to get right with God. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? Lift your hand high online, perhaps. God sees that hand. Would you stand with me all across this place? If you lifted your hand or you didn't, but you know you need to be included in this prayer, you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time, you want to make a recommitment to Him, you lifted your hand, you're serious about it, we never want to embarrass anybody, but based upon the scripture that says, if you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before my Father in heaven, but if you deny me, says Jesus, I will deny you. Based on that scripture, I'm going to invite you to come to acknowledge that you want to live for Jesus. And my theory based on that is that if you can't do that here in front of a bunch of people that love God, it would be very, very difficult to live for God out there. If you lifted your hand and you didn't, you know you need to be in this prayer. Quickly come as soon as Minister Micah sings. Come on, come. Others are coming with you right here. Just come. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. Come on, come. I live for you. Come on, come. You know you need to be up here. Come. Every breath that I come on, come. Every moment I'm away. Lord, have your way. Yes. Lord, have your way in me. Lord, I give you my heart. Lord, I give you my heart. Come on, come to Jesus this morning. I give you my soul. Come to Jesus this afternoon. Come on. Live for you. I live for you. Put your hands together for these, won't you? Come on. So let's pray this right out loud. Every, every eye up front. Here, look, look at Pastor right here. We're going to pray this very simple prayer. When we do, everything you've ever done wrong will be wiped out. You'll be forgiven. All of your sin will be really erased. Why? Because Jesus died instead of you having to die. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So we're all going to pray with you. And maybe you didn't come up front, but you know you, you need to get right. It's all right. You pray that prayer with all your heart right where you're at. Come on, church, we're going to pray all together. Affirm your faith. You ready? You ready? Pray right out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place, to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life. Be my Lord be my Savior. Wash me, cleanse me, and make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill and touch and break every bondage, break every chain, that you would use these for the purpose for which they were created.
to live the life and life abundantly in God. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to do this. Pastor Vince, where are you? All right. Pastor Vince is going to lead you just for two minutes inside the lobby. Would you just follow him? We're going to give you a little gift. Would you just follow Pastor Vince? Go ahead, leaders. Would you go, please? Put your hands together for these guys. Just two minutes of your time. We'll bring you back on in. Here's what I want to do. I know that there are deeper places in God that I have not been. I know there's a place of life in God that I've not experienced yet. And I'm hungry for that. I want more of His power, more of His presence. I want to have greater intimacy with Him. I want anything that might hinder that life in God to be removed. And I bet you do too. Come on, lift your hands, lift your heart all across this place. And just ask, Holy Spirit, reveal, show us. Show us that which might displease you. Lord, expose any pride right now. Oh, forgive us. Expose pride. Expose anything in our life that's an unhealthy attachment or a hope, anything that's other than in you. Expose it. Any addiction, Lord. Expose any greed. Holy Spirit, come and put your finger on things in our lives that are grieving you because we want all that you have. Anything that hinders the flow of your spirit, God, would you reveal it that we would repent? And God, we repent now. Come on, just ask God to forgive you. Lord, we repent now. Forgive us. Cleanse us. Wash us. That we would be your ministers of reconciliation. That we would be people, light bearers, light bringers. People that carry the very life of God everywhere we go to bring the good news of Jesus to a lost, dying, broken world. Holy Spirit, I pray for that one who's suffering with grief, Lord, that you lift that grief off of them. I pray for those, there's a number of people you're just struggling with confusion. Confusion, go in the name of Jesus. Those struggling depression, I command depression to go. Even suicidal thoughts, thoughts of self-hatred, I command you to be silenced. And I speak life, even a life of God, upon each and every one of these. Holy Spirit, come right now and bless and fill and touch. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, put your hands together for God. Give him a, give him a great hand clap of praise. Amen. Let me close and, and just bless you. We're done. We'll hope to see you tonight. Churches at 6 o'clock. Leaders, we have a meeting at 5. Uh, Jewish New Year starts. Rosh Hashanah starts at sundown. We've got a powerful message to preach to you. Some testimonies about the prophetic conference. going to flow into supernatural tonight. Don't miss it. Let me bless you. Father, thank you for what you've done. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us, oh God. Keep us and give us peace in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll hope to see you tonight. God bless you.